Hello, and welcome to the Stellar Woman podcast. Stellar Woman is a community dedicated to telling the stories of women in technology. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Corinne Cartwright from BDO. We all know that feeling. You know the exact solution for a problem that has been a pain in your side for what feels like forever, but your solution costs money or time or needs sign off from a boss or maybe even a CFO. What is that secret to getting that buy-in from the top? Well, if you listen to our conversation with Corinne, you're going to find out. During our chat, Corinne takes us through her career in business development, how to craft the perfect pitch, and how she built equity in the legal tech community along the way. Enjoy. Hey, Corinne, welcome to Stellar Women. Hey, Blair. Thanks so much for having me. So Stellar Woman listeners, um, if you were a FEST, Relativity Fest Chicago, you know that I did this thing called the FEST Desk, and BDO was a sponsor, and I was introduced to Corinne, and let's just say we hit it off, and the five minutes on the FEST Desk was not enough time for me to dig in to all of the wisdom that she has for the Stellar Woman community. So Corinne, tell me about yourself and how you found yourself in the world of eDiscovery. Thanks, Blair. Yeah, so as a post-collegiate girl coming out of school, I thought I wanted to go to law school. And um, my grades were were not what I wanted them to be. And so the coveted job of case assistant doing copy checking was not something I was going to get. So I took a job at what I affectionately called Kinko's for Lawyers, which was uh, Icon back in the day as a customer service rep. I thought I'd get to see what life was like in a law firm and understand maybe what kind of law I wanted to practice. And what I saw was a lot of pretty unhappy litigators with uh, <laughs> with mountains of work and piles of debt. Um, and it happened to be 2006. And so the rules were changing and my job around, you know, picking up and delivering boxes and, and doing copies was very quickly changing into um, an electronic world, right? We were discovering email, we were learning about processing mm-hmm. and trying to solve a really complicated problem uh, that the lawyers wanted us to solve solve pretty quickly. And so I was uh, lucky enough to be introduced to the Women in E-Discovery group in my local Atlanta chapter. Uh, so I'll mm-hmm. give a little plug for Women in E-Discovery. <laughs> we love them. Yes, love them. And I'm the chapter director for Atlanta. So uh, still an organization that's near and dear to my heart. Um, but yeah, so we were all um, trying to figure out these these complicated data problems, and I realized that law school was not where I was meant to be. Uh, working in project management and subsequently business development uh, was something that you know was really great to me. And so, so I worked for Icon, which was um, purchased by Rico, and moved up through the organization and had just a, an amazing fifteen years there. Uh, and then now I have joined BDO about two years ago. Uh, on the consulting side of things, and I'm really enjoying, um, I call it working with grownups. <laughs> <laughs> we all love working with grownups, even though sometimes it can feel like we're working with toddlers. Um, <laughs> yes. But what, what made you want to go to law school, Corinne? Uh, so I think it was the idea of, um, you know, advocating for people, mm-hmm. understanding their scenario and telling a story that ultimately gets you to, you know, an end result that, that is e- either equally 
great or equally terrible for both sides. But um, just that that piece of it, uh, the storytelling and the problem solving put together, I think is definitely what drew me to this field. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you do a lot of that advocating and problem solving and figuring out like exactly what people need in your current role. Um, And when we were talking, you talked about this importance about building equity, um, especially at your own organization, not just outside it. So how do you build equity and, and why is it important? Yeah. So I think early in my career, uh, I was, you know, very much trying to make friends, figure things out. I was in a new city and and making these deposits into my friendships, into my you know, colleagues into the projects and the work that I was doing and not really expecting anything in return uh, was really kind of the the foundation of where I found myself. And I read this book about five, 10 years ago that a mentor gave me called Give and Take. And Give and Take talks about this principle of giving your your work, your time, your energy into these, into your community, into your friendships, into your family. Um and not really expecting anything back. And what I've found is, you know, over the years, it comes back in spades, right? You can't you can't put a price on somebody doing a favor for you. You can't put a price on, you know, somebody taking time out of their day to listen to your crappy day, <laughs> you mm, know? A so, and, and you make a lot of friends along the way. And so for me, building those relationships, uh, being able to really help people solve their problems is uh, something that I really enjoy. So, Yeah, and you're really good at it might I add. Um, Corinne and I were getting drinks um, at Relativity Fest. Um, I think it was like the day before it began. It started off with us three. And then by the end of the drinks, there were like 15 people. And I was like, how did this happen? (laughs) It's just because Corinne like does those little deposits and it builds this like amazing energy. So it's so fun to work with. What, What would you count as like a deposit? Yeah. So, you know, you know that you're colleague or your client or your friend or somebody you're working on with a project was complaining about something the week before, you know, pick up the phone or Teams chat or text and say, hey, how you doing? Is that is everything going all right with that? Or going the extra mile on maybe a client's business review, or they're really nervous about presenting to their boss. Hey, you want to run that through with me? Right? So just like mm-hmm. putting these investments of time and it brings a lot back to you as well, like as the giver to feel like you helped somebody today and, you know, you paid it forward because other people have done that for me. I feel great when somebody calls me and says, hey, Grand, you seemed really busy and all over the place last week. You want to chat for five minutes? And I'm like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. Just to know that someone's thinking of you in that way. That's, yeah. that's like yeah. my favorite part of work is like, the relationships that we make along the way. Absolutely. So Corinne, what I hear you talking about a lot is, you know, like selling yourself, selling your ideas. Does that knack come naturally or have you built up that selling muscle over time? I think that's something that you definitely have to build over time. When I first started in this space, I was positive that I wanted to be right on the lawyer side or on the project management side. And I was given this account uh, back right in the beginning, right in 2007, 2008. And I was a junior account manager, essentially managing projects for the woman I worked for. And 
in the account where the paralegal manager had hired, you know, seven or eight girls, women, my age, and we all became really good friends. And subsequently they gave me projects to work on and we solved really hard problems together. And we, you know, maybe we should produce the excels in native, right? Like we, we were at that point and we all made, you know, amazing friendships and subsequently revenue came from that. And somebody came back to me and said, Hey, Karen, what do you think about a job in business development? And I said, well, no, I don't really want to be a salesperson, right? Because this has this stigma to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're like, I said, this is just an anomaly. These women are my friends. And he said, that's the job. And I said, oh, so I get to make friends and be doing a good job at my job? And he's like, yes. That's he's like, and you get, he's like, and you get to go out to lunch during it. Yes. As a 25 year old broke, you know, starting out in my career, going out to lunch, was, this is, this is like too good to be true. So, uh, so I, so I, I did end up moving into a business development role and this idea, you know, I was not a natural salesperson, very anxious, you know, love to sit down and do my work and solve my problem. Um, but love to make friends and relationships like real ones, not, you know, I couldn't just go out and pitch. And so you, you know, you go and you learn your story, your way of helping somebody about, and I think that's really what sales is, is, you know, for on one aspect of it is, is helping people figure out what their problem is maybe. And then ultimately when you start moving up in an organization, how do you sell your ideas to the top, right? How do you understand what the person above you cares about and solve their problem. And so if you're trying to get your buy-in for new software or you're trying to get five new people hired this year so that you can bring more e-discovery in-house, how do I, you know, build the numbers? There's the numbers piece of it, right? And I think I sent you a funny note about, I asked ChatGPT this question and it says, you know, make sure you have your numbers, make sure... You have uh, all your metrics and your evidence, right? And all of that mm-hmm. is super important. But what ChatGPT can't tell you is, hey, what is your boss's initiative for this year? What are they trying to accomplish? How can my new project that I want to do and to work on help them sell to their boss, right? So understanding what they care about, I think, is really, um, is, is really important and exciting. Yeah, and I... I love how you're able to still weave in that storytelling piece because like, as you said, like chat GPT can be like, it's all about the numbers, have your <laughs> metrics, but like that storytelling and, and finding out what people care about is I think where that, that magic happens that you're, you're talking about, but to back up a little bit, how do you find out like what the cares are about the people you're presenting to or the decision makers are higher up? How do you find out what they care about? Yeah. So I think it depends on your organization, but in a lot of organizations, there are some, you know, annual goals that the larger corporation or company or firm sets out for at the beginning of the year. And if they're being transparent about that, it's probably on your website, might be in an (laughs) annual report um, or all those emails that you ignore that are the template ones that go to everyone in the company. So, you know, <laughs> not to be ignored necessarily uh, as you try to, you know, craft and build your ROI and your message and get your projects adopted. Hmm. It's, 
I have to do a plug about reading emails because it is so funny how much time people spend building them out and people are like, wait, what email? And you're like, oh, the thing I cried about? No worries. Um, like the thing where I, where I had to hold my breath and send. Exactly. When you're like, it's like, this is about to send to 780 people. And you're like, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I love that. But, um, so it's no secret to anyone listening that in the last five years, data volumes have exploded. Has this created an uptick for you in how you show value in technology? Has the court's perspective of using technology shifted this need as well? Yeah, so I think we, as a legal community, are slow to adopt technology, not telling anybody listening to this something they don't know. Uh, <laughs> But I think that the pandemic really had um, an instrumental impact on organizations taking this more seriously and getting better visibility into the problem. Mm -hmm. So I think we magnified it and, and, you know, to our benefit in the, for those of us that work in the technology space, but, you know, the exponential amount of breaches happening definitely got people thinking about security the paranoia that the pandemic was going to cause some horrible recession got people thinking about financially what is important to them. And so everybody was looking for a way to be more efficient and to be more secure and to ultimately get their programs in order. And so we have just seen exponential growth. I think a lot of the service providers have who are offering these consulting engagements to help people you know, assess where are we today? Did you have a program before? Are you starting out new? Had you just been pitching everything over to the law firm? If you're on the corporate side, from the law firm side, we've been doing this in-house, but we haven't been charging for it, right? So everybody's sort of taking this fresh look and there's so much opportunity and people that really need help to figure out what is my biggest problem? How does it align with my goals? And how can we, you know, put together an assessment, an ROI, a calculator, get those metrics so that we can make our case because you can know what your boss cares about, right? But you still need the numbers. You still need mm -hmm. to know what is out there. You just said something else that like I, it kind of reminds me of this and like the need that like you fill this gap is like some people are like amazing lawyers and they're really good at that, but you can't know everything, right? You can't right, know right. technology plus like it's, you fill a really big gap because not everyone can be figuring out what's best for their firm and how to problem solve all the time, right? Absolutely. And every company and every firm is different as much as we hope that they would be, you know, you know, square box and a square box and everything we could just rinse and repeat. There's so many intricacies to all this data, how people set things up, how people are, going to market, their retention policy, you know, you name it, it's extremely complicated and it's not an easy problem to solve, which is, I think, why I was drawn to it and why mm. I think a lot of women are drawn to this because it's it's exciting um, to solve a really complicated problem. You know, we've, we've grown up and now our problems are more complicated and, um, you know, and we're getting the opportunity to solve them as a result of a lot of these initiatives. And as a team, like, I love that you said that you worked with a team of like all women and you flipped a project on its, on its head and were like, yeah, I did this amazing thing for the company and I made a couple of best friends in the process. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Every, 
every project, every engagement is an opportunity again to make more deposits, more relationships in the mm-hmm. in the community, and then connecting people. So if maybe I'm not the perfect fit for this corporation, but I know that one of my friends or um, you know, somebody's looking for a job and they're trying to line it up, right? How can you connect people together Mm. for the maximum benefit of all the women that you're working with or working for or friends with um, to get everybody to their initiatives and also, you know, like you said, make some friends in the process. Yeah. Have a couple glasses of rosé along the way. (laughs) Um, We should name the podcast that, Blair. (laughs) A couple of glasses of rosé along the way. I like it. <laughs> Rebrand. Um, but as I'm sure, you know, the listeners are hearing, you know, Corinne and I love a good laugh. And one of the things I love about Corinne is she is an amazing storyteller. Um, we need to get Corinne into stand up, but that's a, it's a discussion for another episode. Um, but Corinne, what would you tell someone who doesn't feel like they're a natural storyteller or a, they're good at pitching? What would you tell them about their abilities? Yeah, I think that goes back to this muscle memory question, right? So this is something you work on. It doesn't happen overnight. You have to think about your story, think about your experiences, think about what the audience that you're talking to cares about uh, and craft that. So, uh, you know, if you're a project manager and you're looking to get into management or you're trying to sell somebody on you know, using a new technology that's maybe a little cutting edge for their, you know, conservative likes, um, go through your bank of, of stories, your lens at uh, this, this problem and say, you know, because you really believe that this technology is going to prevent a problem or make this project exponentially more efficient, uh, you know, think about those experiences that you've had because that's really powerful information to portray to somebody, especially non-technical, who maybe is scared of this this tech, right? Mm-hmm. Or this big risk endeavor to to buy new software or to to try something new. So if you have confidence in yourself and you rely on your experiences and you you know, give your lens, that's really powerful. Just honest, transparent communication about, about why you believe this is going to be the right thing to do. So I love that. It's, it's, it's also the way you're talking about it kind of reminds me of this idea of like selling yourself, like you're hired for your, like your perspective, your subject matter expert. So show that. Yeah, I think women have actually a really hard time with that. They, you know, I've read studies where we're really good at advocating for other people and for our projects, but not necessarily for ourselves, which Mm -hmm. I think I definitely fall into that category. Uh, You know, have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and they're like, and you're, you know, complaining or you're talking about how things are going wrong and and you're giving yourself bad advice and your friend Mm -hmm. turns around and looks at you and says, is that the advice you would give me? if I was absolutely problem. Right. So, you know, giving ourselves the, the confidence and the, and the advice that your experiences are enough and they are important. Uh, I remember being a young project manager and thinking, well, we did that on that other project, but you know, he's a big partner and he's not going to want to listen to me talk about this, you know, crazy technology, but if you learn to translate it and put it into the language that they understand 
and be able to craft that message in a way that makes sense to the person that's listening to it, you know, it can be really, really powerful. And you can start to build yourself a reputation for being somebody who knows and give, you know, it's, I think it's something we don't do enough of. Definitely. It took, it's taken me a long time to not just add like a little qualifier to everything I say where it's like, this is what we should do. And then I'll be like, well, I don't really know what I'm talking about. And then it's like, (laughs) yes, I do. Like, why am I qualifying the stuff I say? So having confidence in yourself is such a great nugget for pitching, telling stories and just kind of a way of life. Um, But Corinne, you know, I'm asking all the Stellar Women guests this season, the same question. Um, What's a piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? Yeah. So I think I would be more patient, obviously more patient with myself, but in my younger days, being more patient with the people I work with, things take a long time. There's a lot of things in play. Be understanding and patient with everybody that you're working with and you never kind of know what other people are going through. So yeah. And and I definitely now and back then, and my bosses still tell me, right, you got to slow down. It's it's, all get done, you know, take a deep breath, enjoy your time with your friends and your family and, and take time for these activities that you enjoy and the deposits and the relationships um, because we'll all get there. So. I love that. And I'm sure you know, baby Corinne would love to hear that too. <laughs> <laughs> she would. She would. Well, Corinne, thank you so much for helping me achieve my dream of having you on the podcast. It's been a pleasure and it's been so great, you know, from getting to know you at Fest to, to now, I'm super excited for all the deposits you've given me um, and hope that I can continue depositing um, throughout, you know, Stellar Women. So thanks so much. Thanks, Blair, for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you.